worship team for that powerful time of worship. We are so blessed around here to have people that are willing to use the talents that God has given them to honor and glorify himself. And, um, we've experienced great blessing here today of entering into the presence of God through praise and worship. And I love that, how special it is. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn them to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23 is what we're going to be looking at this morning primarily. We'll be going to a few other places, but we'll be there some, if not most of the time. I was just sitting back there thinking as we were singing that song about how Jesus has overcame death, hell, and the grave. Isn't that amazing? Never let that become commonplace to you. How many of you know, folks, that true peace can never come unless absolute victory has been obtained. And um, that's true physically speaking, and that's true spiritually speaking. Um, but I want to tell you, because Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave, we have victory. We have um, absolute victory in Him, and so therefore we can have peace. Peace for living, peace for dying. And for that, I am truly thankful, and that really blessed my soul this morning, knowing um, that Jesus has overcome, and because he has overcome death, hell, and the grave, we too can if we are in him, and um, that blesses my soul this morning. I'm going to continue today speaking to you about conquering in Christ. We started this last week, and if you remember, our text from last week was Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 37, and so I want you to keep your place there in Proverbs 23. And I'm going to flip over just a moment and read to you these two or three verses in Romans 8, 35 through 37. Uh, Paul asks a question here, and he says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Now, if you remember last week we said the Apostle Paul is letting all of us know that while we are in this world, we're going to face battles. Can you say amen to that? Every one of us do. We, we're all going to have times in our lives um, we, where we have battles that we ourselves in our own power, we cannot win. We said, if you remember, some of us face physical battles. And from time to time, we'll all do that because we live in this house made of flesh, this earthly dwelling place that is uh, continually falling away and fading away. We are going to face physical battles. Um, some of us face emotional battles, and from time to time we'll all face emotional battles. We get discouraged, we get down and out, we doubt, we get depressed. That just happens because um, we are in the flesh that we are in. Some of us face relational battles, whether it be uh, in, a, in your marital relationship or your parental relationship or um, the relationship between co-workers or friends or whatever the case may be. Sometimes we face relational battles. Sometimes we might face financial battles. There's all kinds of battles that we face. Um, a whole lot of different things that we have to deal with while we walk throughout this life. Um, because we're in a fallen flesh and a fallen creation, how many of you understand we are tempted to displease a holy God? What the world tips us with, what the enemy tips us with, causes us to displease, if we fall into that temptation, that causes us to displease God our Father who is holy. 
And so, folks, my temptation might be different from your temptation because we're all different. Can you say amen to that? My struggle might be different from your struggle. My problem might be different from your problem. But the truth is, we've all got problems. We've all got struggles. We all face temptations. Now, I think we um, do ourselves and others a great disservice when we start comparing our trouble to someone else's trouble, our problem to somebody else's problem. How do you know the one who has a problem with gossip is just as much in sin as the one who has a problem with drug addiction? Amen? They're all sin. But just because my problem or my temptation is different from your problem or your temptation does not mean I'm any better or worse than you are. It just means we all need the grace of God. We all need God's help to help us overcome whatever we might face. And the good news is this. God's grace is sufficient for each and every one of us. So whatever we face, whatever battle we might face, whatever temptation we might face, whatever addiction we might struggle with, I can promise you by the grace of God, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can overcome. And for that... Man, I am eternally grateful. And we're going to talk a lot more about that this morning. I, I was never made more real to me than really this morning that all of us have different troubles. All of us um, face different things in our lives that we need help to overcome. Um, my little girl, Ellie Grace, was sitting on the uh, living room couch this morning and I heard her calling to me. I was in the bedroom. Now, parents, maybe you can testify to this. Once you've heard your kids over and over and over and over call to you, you can almost tell by the tone of their voice what's going on. I mean, when I hear my kids holler, I can tell whether they're happy. I can tell if they're sad. I can tell if they're mad. I can tell if they're in trouble. Just really by how they're saying what they're saying, by the tone in their voice. Uh, and it's been my experience with the three kids that I've got Whenever you hear that call from the other room, you never know what you're going to run up on when you get to the room you're going to. I mean, you, you just never know what's going to be happening. Sometimes I found a WWE wrestling match going on in my living room about two weeks ago. I walk into my living room and Ellie Grace is hollering and Gage has got her down in the middle of the living room floor in a sleeper hold, something he's learned uh, from Monday Night Raw. And she's just screaming to the top of her lungs. So sometimes I find that. I've walked in before and I saw um, Gage, my son, with Ellie Grace on his shoulders. And he has his arms up around her body like this. And he's doing squats in the middle of the living room. She's just hollering, uh, hollering for dad to come and help her. She was in trouble. This morning, it's kind of the same thing. I was in my bedroom getting ready for church and I hear her hollering. I could tell she's in trouble. And so I walk into where she's at and uh, she's sitting on the uh, living room couch just clawing her legs uh, to the bone. I mean, she's just scratching her legs good. And I said, honey, what's the matter? She said, dad, I got bug bites out in the yard yesterday. Man, I said, man, I'm so sorry. I said, we'll get something to put on those and help you out. She said, dad, I've got three bug bites that are itching really bad, but I've only got two hands. <laughs> now, let me tell you what was happening. She was, she was overwhelmed by her trouble. Can you say amen? Her trouble, her problem, her battle at that moment was more than she could handle. She didn't have enough hands to fix the problem that she was, um, she was dealing with there. And how many of you have ever felt the same way? Have you ever felt as though you're being overwhelmed by the battle you face? 
Have you ever felt as though, listen, maybe you can't uh, do what needs doing uh, so that you might overcome in that temptation that you're facing, that addiction, that problem, um, that struggle that we all have? Have, it, have you ever felt overwhelmed? I don't know about you, but I have. So I can relate to what she was saying. Sometimes it feels just like you ain't got enough hands. You can't do enough. So I want to encourage you again this morning. And I want to remind you before we go any further of what the Apostle Paul said. He said in Romans 8 verse 37, he answers the question that he asked in verse 35. He says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I love that. What he's saying is, all these things that I just mentioned, all these things that I just listed, none of those things can separate you from the love of Jesus. I don't care what you're going through. I want you to know this morning, Jesus loves you. And He alone is able to help you overcome. Now, Satan's going to lie to you. You'll go through different hardships in your life. You'll go through different battles in your life. And that's the perfect time for the enemy to come along and whisper in your ear, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this stuff. If God really loved you, he'd fix your situation. Let me say something to you. God is on record for how much he loves you. That does not have to be proved anymore. He put his son on the cross so that you might have eternal life. God loves you today. If you believe it, say amen. So you don't have to wonder about that. You don't have to worry about that. God loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. We face troubles in this life because we live in a fallen creation, not because God doesn't love us. And so he says, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. He says, we are more than conquerors. We're overcomers. We have the victory. And he says these last um, few words here, more than conquerors, through him that loved us. How many know if you're going to conquer, it's going to be through the Lord Jesus Christ? Your victory is in Jesus. See, the victory that you have is a direct result of your relationship to Christ. You need to get a hold of that. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means for the lost man, if you're here today and you've never yet trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, you need Him to make it through this life because you, just like everybody else, are going to face battles. You're going to need uh, to be an overcomer, and you can only be an overcomer, you can only be a conqueror through the Lord Jesus. So you need a personal relationship with Him. I was in a Sunday school class years ago. And the teacher of the class, he was asking for prayer requests before we got started that morning. And he's going around the room, and everybody was, was, was um, voicing the prayer request they had. And come to one lady, and she starts talking about one of her neighbors that were going through a tough time. And at the end of her prayer request, she said, I just don't know how people make it without Jesus. And the, class, the, the, the teacher of that class, he said something I thought was fantastic. He, he asked the question back to her. He said, how do you know they are? The truth is, there's a lot of times you want to put on a false front, you want to put on a false face and, and, and smile and look like everything's all right. But the, the, listen to me, without the power of Christ working in you and working through you, you will never be able to obtain the victory that the Bible is talking about here. 
You'll never be a conqueror. You'll never be an overcomer without, listen to me, that relationship with the Lord Jesus. Your victory is a result of your relationship with Christ. Now, for the believer, what does that mean for you? Your victory is in Him. Listen to me very carefully, child of God. The world has nothing for you. Do not try to fight the battle you're facing. Do not try to overcome the way the world overcomes. Don't use the world's methods to overcome your battle because all you need is Jesus. A lot of times what happens, man, a child of God goes through a battle in their life, whatever it might be. They're struggling in some area, whatever it is. And what I've seen so many times, they turn to the ways of the world instead of turning to Jesus. When you go through battles, when you face struggles and problems and trials, it's not the time to run from Jesus back to the world. That's the time to run to Jesus. Because it's through Him we overcome and conquer. I heard just the other day, um, I think it was Chuck Swindoll, I was listening to his Message and he was talking about counseling a, uh, a mar- marriage and doing some marriage counseling with a couple. And he said that he, they were sitting across from him in his office. And he asked the lady, he said, uh, Ma'am, what's going on in your marriage? What's the problem here? And she said, Well, my biggest problem with my husband is that he drinks too much. And the husband spoke up and said, Well, I drink too much because all you want to do is nag all the time. And she spoke back and said, Well, I nag all the time because all you want to do is drink. Now let me tell you what was going on in that family. What was going on in that marriage. They were trying to overcome their battle. They were trying to get victory in the area they were struggling in by the world's ways. You don't need what the world has to offer. Our victory is in Jesus. Now, let's go a step further. Proverbs 23 And I want us to look down at verse number 7. For many of the battles that we face, the battlefield is in the mind. If you believe that, say amen. How you think and what you think determines a lot, really everything, about who you are and who you become. Now, listen to what it says here, Proverbs 23 and 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, that's ultimately what he he becomes. How you think determines how you act. How you act determines the decisions and choices that you make. The decisions and choices that you make on a daily basis determine what your witness is in this world. And so how you think, listen, that means everything. And a lot of times we lose the battle because it starts right here with what we think and how we think. Now this morning, let me say something to you. I want to make this very clear. I am in no way, shape, form, or fashion trying to give you a message on positive thinking this morning. Because I, I, I hear a lot of that stuff, and, and I hear a lot of it preached and taught. And even though I want to be positive, listen, I want you to know we've got to be positive with the right perspective. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I am positive in my relationship to God through Jesus. The Bible says this, Romans 8, 15. I'm positive about that. And I want to make something very clear to you. I think we ought to be positive, especially as believers. Can you say amen to that? I'd a lot rather be around positive people than negative people. Man, there's a lot of people who are, who are negative. You've heard the old saying that some see the glass half empty and some see the glass half full. Well, there's some people who don't even see the glass. I don't like dealing with those people. I don't like being around those people. Those people always bring everything down. And as a believer, you've got something to be positive about. First and foremost being your relationship to Christ. The Bible says, Romans 8, 15, you can go look it up, that we have not received the spirit of, of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. How many of you know you are now an adopted child of God if you placed your faith in Jesus? God himself is on your side. Now you can be positive about that. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, if I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast in Jesus. And we should as well. I am positive that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all he, I can ask or think according to his mighty power that works in me. Ephesians 3.20. I'm positive in that. I believe God wants to work in me and work through me in such a way that it will blow my mind. I believe God wants to do more than I can ever dream up. Can you say amen to that? Because <laughs> that's what he says. How you know we can be positive about his promises? But let me tell you what I'm not promise, uh, positive about. I am not positive about my ability to overcome or be effective in my own power. Are you hearing me? Because a lot of what I hear about this, uh, you know, the, the teaching or the preaching on positive thinking is, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do how I want and when I want. I'm going to do it myself and my own power and nobody's going to stop me. Now let me tell you what that creates. First of all, positive thinking like that, when, when you look at it with the wrong perspective, produces a prideful spirit. Now, what I mean by that is that let's say you do overcome. Guess what? You only overcome because God allowed it. He's sovereign and in complete control of everything. I want you to know all good things come from him. All good things. Anything good that happens to me or happens to you happens because God wills it. Can you say amen? amen. And we play our part in that, but ultimately it's God's doing when good things happen. But when we have that idea that I'm going to do it in my power and nobody's going to stop me when things do go, go, go good, let, guess what happens, folks? You get prideful in that. That's a very dangerous thing. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 that pride goes before a fall. We get prideful, and listen, after you get prideful in who you are and what you can do and in your own power, you, you, you can rest assured a fall is coming. I think a lot of times the Lord allows things to happen to us in our lives to show us just how small we are. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 that a man should not think of himself more highly than he ought to. You shouldn't get too big for your britches. Pride is very dangerous. And so the idea that I can do it in my own power, 
That I can do it when I want, how I want, nobody's going to stop me. First of all, it, it, that's the wrong perspective of positive thinking, and it gives you a prideful spirit. Positive thinking with the wrong perspective, it also produces a false security. Because the idea is that whatever happens, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to uh, be victorious. Let me say something to you. There's some things you can't handle in your own power. All that stuff is well and good until you something enters your life that you can't fix. Amen? I mean, I hear the health and wealth, blab it, and, or name it and claim it, blab it and grab it stuff being preached all over the place. All that's well and good until you encounter a problem that you can't overcome. And so that prideful, positive thinking with the wrong perspective where it's all about me, what I can do, my power, my ability, when, it, when that's how we think, folks, it gives us a prideful spirit and gives us false security. Let me tell you what the truth is. We can't overcome, but if we're going to overcome, it has to be through Jesus. You can be victorious, but if you're going to be victorious, it's got to be done God's way. To have the victory the Bible is speaking of. Amen? It's all about Him. The truth is we need Him. I need Him and you need Him. I, I, listen, folks, I, it's been made crystal clear to me. I can never be effective in whatever God has called me to be and do without the power of God. How many of you know I can't be what God wants me to be in my home? I can't be the husband. I can't be the father and truly be effective. Now, listen to me. I can go through the motions in my own power and get by, but I'll never be effective without the power of God. As your pastor... I can go through the motions and get by as your pastor, preach the sermon, do the work of a pastor, but I can never be effective without the power of God. And the same is true for you. Wherever you are, if you're a husband, if you're a father, if you're a wife, if you're a mother, wherever God, in whatever area you're serving in, we will never be effective without His working in us and His working through us. It's not about me positive thinking enough to get myself through. Working in my own power. Jesus said it like this. I want to flip over there. Turn with me to John 15. I want everybody to see this. John 15. Look at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman, every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, verse 4 says, abide in me, watch, and I in you. That's Jesus in me, and that's me in Jesus. That's being in Christ. Can you say amen? amen. amen. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth, watch this, much fruit. I love that. He promises you'll be able to do what I've called you to do, what I've purposed for you to do, what I've saved you to do, but it's only going to happen when my life, listen to me, is being pressed out through you, the branch. Because how many know that's what fruit is? 
the life of the vine being pressed out through the branches. He's the vine, we're the branch. It takes the power of God for us to be truly effective, for us to be fruitful. It's not about me doing what I can do in my own power. We overcome and we gain the victory in Jesus. I can do nothing without him, but I can do all things through him. Now, I'm not necessarily trying to teach you about positive thinking, but I do want to talk to you about the seriousness of stinking thinking. Because that's what happens a lot of times. We have stinking thinking, even as believers. It happens to us all. It happened to a man in Scripture that you're all familiar with. Go to Matthew chapter 11. There's a story there about John the Baptist. But now before I read to you in Matthew chapter 11, let me give you just a little bit of background about who John is. First of all, we know John had a personal relationship with Jesus. How do we know that? Well, the Bible teaches that um, they, they certainly knew one another. They were family members. But also, John had placed his faith in Jesus as being the Messiah. If you don't believe me, you can read John chapter 1 and verse number 29. At the time when Jesus came, uh, John was preaching and he had a big following there around Jerusalem. And many people were coming to faith because of the preaching of John. And the Bible says in John 1.29 that as Jesus walked up there that day, that he looked at his disciples. John looked at the ones following himself and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That tells me. John placed his faith in Jesus as Savior. He had a personal relationship with the Lord. Not only did he have a personal relationship with the Lord, he also was operating in the power of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. We find the prophecy of Isaiah concerning John the Baptist. John is called the forerunner for the Lord Jesus. In, John, in Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, it says that he would be the voice of one crying in the, in the wilderness, making clear the way of the Lord. And that's exactly where we find John when he comes on the pages of Scripture in Matthew 4. He's out in the wilderness, um, dressed in, um, in, in camel's hair and eating wild locusts. And he's preaching about the kingdom of God, making clear the way of Jesus. So he has a personal relationship with Jesus. He's operating in the power of God. But also you need to see, John was fulfilling his purpose. In Matthew chapter 4, if you go over there and look, uh, let's just flip back over just a few pages. Matthew chapter 4. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 3. And look down at verse number 5. The Bible says in the first four verses that John is out there in the wilderness preaching. And then the Bible tells us, Then went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. They came out from the cities into the wilderness to hear what God was doing through and in John the Baptist. He was fulfilling his purpose. Listen, some people say that it was about two miles from Jerusalem to Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was out there preaching and baptizing. Some say it's about 15 miles. But the truth is, people was willing to walk miles in the desert heat 
from Jerusalem, from Judea, from Samaria, out into the middle of nowhere to hear this man that was operating in the power of God, fulfilling his purpose because of his personal relationship with Jesus. The truth is this. God was using John in a fantastic way. Back in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus, when speaking of John in verse 11, Matthew chapter 11, he said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So when you've got Jesus speaking of John the Baptist, he says, there's none greater than John. None that's ever been born. Of, how you know that's a pretty big compliment? Folks, I may give you a compliment and you may give me a compliment. And, and, and that may be true or it may not be true. Because the truth is, I don't really know your heart and you don't really know my heart. All I see of you is about three hours a week usually, and all you see of me is about three hours a week. But when Jesus, who knows everything about everybody, who is omniscient and knows past, present, and future, where I am, where, where I've been, where, where I am now, and what I'll be doing later, when he says, there's none greater. Well, that's a big compliment. So that's the man, John. This is a man who has personal relationship with the Lord. This is a man walking in the power of God. This is a man who's fulfilling the purpose God has called him to. But look back at Matthew 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, everybody say the prison. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, watch what the Bible says. He sent two of his disciples... And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now here is this man, John, whom Jesus said, There's none greater that's ever been born of woman than John the Baptist. Here he is doubting who Jesus is and what Jesus is able to do. Why? Because he allowed his circumstances to change how he thought about the Lord Jesus. Are you seeing that? John was the man who was out in the wilderness. John was the man who, like we said before, wore the camel's hair and eat wild locusts and honey. He's the one who preached out by the riverside. And now you've taken that man and put him in the prison. And I want to tell you something. His circumstance changed how he thought. And when his thought process changed, then how he felt about the Lord and how he served the Lord also changed. Now let me ask you something. If that can happen to John, can it not happen to us? When we find ourselves in the middle of the battle, when we find ourselves in the middle of our struggle, when we find ourselves in the middle of our trouble, do not allow your circumstance or your trouble to change how you think about Jesus. Don't let your thinking become stinking thinking because then it will change how you live and how you witness this for the Lord. That's what happened with John. He began to doubt. He began to wonder, is this really the one I've been waiting for? And it wasn't because he didn't have a personal relationship, he did. See, the child of God, when they allow their circumstances to control how they think about the Lord, what happens to John happens to us. You get in that bad situation, he's in the prison, and you allow your circumstance to dictate how you fulfill your purpose. John forgot a few things that sometimes we forget. First of all, he forgot who he was. How many know he was a child of the king? 
And child of God, you are as well. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 9 that we are royalty. Are you hearing me? You are sons and daughters of God Almighty. You are a kingdom of priests, the Bible tells us. Remember, you are made right because of faith in Jesus. And now you are considered an adopted child of God himself. I, I agree that when people say, you know what, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, yeah, we're all sinners. And if we're saved, we're saved by grace. But I want to tell you something else. If you're a child of God, that's just what you are. God no longer sees you as a sinner. He sees you as a son and daughter. Don't allow your circumstance to cause you to forget who you are. John forgot what he was called to. Because he took, put his mind on his circumstance instead of, what it, of on his calling. Folks, that man was called to preach the gospel. To live out his faith just like we are. Don't allow your circumstance to cause you to forget your calling. But John had also forgot where he was headed. I'm going to tell you something. When, when, for, for, the, for the believer, how many know we have the blessed hope of a home in heaven? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. When things get bad in this world, when we're going through dark times, when we go through battles that we're wondering if we're ever going to make it through, you know what brings me comfort as much as anything else? I have a home in heaven. This is not all I have to look forward to. And if you're a child of God, you do too. Don't allow bad circumstances, battles that you face, to cause you to get discouraged and doubt and want to quit because I believe with everything in me that's where John was right here in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto him, You go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended in me. You know what Jesus said, John, you've got to quit worrying so much about your feelings and start trusting in the truth. Listen to me, child of God. We must do the same thing. Don't trust in your feelings because your feelings will fool you. You trust in the truth. And the truth is this. As a believer, he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. As a believer, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. As a believer, listen to me, we can overcome. Now, if you're here today and you're not yet a child of God, why not? You need Jesus. The first step to you being able to face the battles that we're all going to face is knowing Christ in a personal way. Your invitation is this. If you're here and, man, you're going through times in your life, you... Uh, You've been experiencing some stinking thinking and you've got down and out, discouraged and depressed about what's going on. My advice to you is do just what John did. He brought it to the Lord. Amen? The Bible says he sent two of his disciples. You go ask him because I want to know. You bring it to Jesus. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what's going on in your life. Be real with him. I believe that's what he wants more than anything else. It's amazing to me that a lot of times I find myself trying to impress the Lord. By how I pray or by what I don't pray, 
almost like I'm trying to hide something from him. I know you can't hide nothing from Jesus. He knows what's going on with you. He knows what's good about you. He knows what's bad about you. He knows you better than you know you. So just get real. If you're hurting, tell him you're hurting. You're hurting. If you're struggling, tell him you're struggling. Share your struggle with him. That's what John did and that's what we ought to do. Change your mindset. Knowing that it's no longer about what I can do, who I am. It's about who he is. What he can do in me. What he can do through me. What he can do for me. Everybody stand together. If you need the Lord for salvation today, would you come? I want to share with you the word of God, what it means to trust in Jesus and be born again. If you're here today and you are a child of God, but listen, there's some things going on in your life that you just need to talk to the Lord about, this altar is a great place to do it. Men and women of God have been meeting with Him, doing business with God at the altar. We see it all throughout the Word of God. If it's good enough for these brothers and sisters in God's Word, it's good enough for us. So you come this morning and you do what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be... Um, quenching the spirit today, be submissive to what God wants. Allow Him to work in your life. Brother, play for us.